Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, I hope you're good, and we are so glad uh, to be together, even if it's virtually. Um, I'm really excited for uh, just the um, the future weeks, and hopeful that uh, in a couple weeks we'll be able to re-start uh, um, gathering together. Um, in the meantime, we're meeting in this way, and, and I'm just really excited to dive into um, the book of Hebrews with you all and start digging around in this really just like beautiful, kind of intense, um, but really deep book um, together. Um, uh, if you don't know me, um, if you're new here to CSF, uh, my name is Adam, and I am one of the campus ministers here, um, along with Hannah West and Ben Locke. Um, and you'll get to meet them um, at different times. But uh, we're just so glad uh, that you're with us um, today. Um, if you'd like some notes today for the teaching, um, we usually use uh, the app you version, but today what we're doing is down in the description, there's a link. Um, you can go and click that to get the file. Uh, I just wanna pray um, today as we uh, just go into, into this. Um, so would you bow your heads with me, please, wherever you are. Um, God, thank you for um, today. Thank you for being able to gather, even if it's virtually. Um, and I just thank you for the community that we have here at CSF. Um, and I just pray, Father, that you would move through this, um, that you would move through this teaching, that you would speak to us through um, your scripture. Um, thank you for this book of Hebrews. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for the way they speak to us and the way you speak to us through them. Um, we love you, Jesus. And I just pray that you would move this semester in just, just awesome ways that you would move us nearer to you. And Jesus, we, we love you. Amen. So um, every time that I read the letter of Hebrews, uh, it blows my mind. Um, I remember being a college student and digging into this text for really the first time. I had read it before, kind of casually read through, um, but I'd never really studied it. And, and I remember being in college and this, this book having this like really powerful impression on me of who Jesus is and, and what he's um, brought about and how it all ties into what we tend to call um, the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, if you take part in the small group that we're having this semester, um, something that will we'll begin to show is this grand arc of God's love for humanity and his work uh, to bring us back to him. And as we read the biblical narrative from cover to cover, we see uh, consistently that God created um, for us to be in relationship um, and in community with him um, and in relationship and community with, with creation and also with each other. Um, and, and that the Lord through his promises and through his covenant and through the way that he works within the people of the Bible, um, he, he not only keeps bringing his people back to him, but he also keeps pointing to this redeemer that will one day finish the cycle for good and redeem us completely. I'm excited to dig into this book this semester. Um, there is so much. Uh, we, we honestly, just a disclaimer, we can't go into depth with everything, um, but this letter, it, it ties together the old and the new covenants. It explains in greater detail who Jesus is and it reiterates what Jesus has done for us. 
Um, something I really, really want to impress on us as we go into this is that the Hebrews is Christ-centered. It's Christ-centric. The Bible is Christ-centric, but Hebrews is is so focused on Jesus and who he is and what he's done. Um, it's, it's much about atonement and how Jesus atones for our sins, um, but it also has this encouragement to stand firm in the face of whatever comes. The people that are being written to seem to be dealing with some sort of persecution. So there's this element of standing firm. Um, so with that all in mind, um, let's turn to Hebrews 1 today. Um, and I'm going to have it on the screen for you to, um, to read here. Um, and I want to take some time just to, to ponder it and to read it uh, before I continue. Great. Um, so the question I have is, what do you take note of as you read through that? You know, as you read those words, um, what were the things that jumped out at you? As I look at it, uh, I'm noting the explanation of who Jesus is. I'm seeing a lot of references to the Hebrew scriptures that are tied into the story. And I'm also noting this focus on angels, um, namely that Jesus is greater than them. As our staff has been talking about this study um, and talking through these scriptures, the big question that has been coming up over and over and over is, what's the deal with angels? Um, that, that's come up uh, as we've looked at Hebrews 1 and as we looked at Hebrews 2, and ben, Ben's going to get into that next week, um, but it's something that, that keeps coming up. It's possible that the author is correcting some unhealthy fascination with angels that's going on, but I also think it's worth taking a quick dive into what we know of angels from the scriptures to see why the author is contrasting them with Jesus. There's a lot of myth and, and honestly nonsense about angels, but the Bible has uh, only a little to say about them, really. Angel literally means messenger, so they're messengers of God. Um, we get the names of a few, like Michael, 
in Gabriel. There are a few kinds that are mentioned, um, seraphim and cherubim. And most likely the picture that you have in your head, if you're like me, or if you've been molded by media at all, um, with, with the way angels are supposed to look, um, we probably have the wrong idea about what they look like. Um, often we think about cherubim being these little babies with wings, right? That's what, it's like toilet paper commercials and everything, but that's not the look of what we see in scripture. Um, we see fierceness, honestly, with those kind of things. Uh, some of them are described as being completely alien, totally different, and really almost impossible to understand what they actually look like. Some take on human form. And it seems that Satan is an angel that led a rebellion against God and that was cast out of heaven. Angels are created beings. Um, humans don't become angels. Uh, that's, a, that's a misconception. Um, totally different created beings. We are made of different stuff. Um, they're spiritual beings and they are in the presence of God and they serve him. Often, but not always, in scripture we see that when an angel interacts with a human, that the human is terrified or overwhelmed or confused at the least. And that's about all I have scripturally to say about angels. Not a whole lot. This matters though because it would be easy to look at something like an angel and be like, wow, this powerful, mysterious, spiritual being that stands in the presence of God must be like something really great. But the author of Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus is superior to the angels, that he's superior to these kind of majestic, mysterious, spiritual beings. The author points out that angels are ministering spirits, but Jesus is ministered to by them, and he sends them out. The author points out that Jesus is actually worshipped by the angels. They point out that Jesus is the son and heir of God and that he took part in creation, that he rules and that, that he is eternal. David points to this all prophetically. Uh, in Psalm 8, he wrote, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. We're going to see that a little more next week, talked about. David is like prophetically talking about what is going on with Jesus. Jesus is the culmination of this redemptive story. He's the culmination of that. He, he has supremacy over everything. We're going to see how this has played out more as we move on through this letter to the Hebrews, how Jesus is better or how he is greater than other things that we may look to or hold on to. But the way that the author begins shows us that this is the uh, just of utmost importance to understand. The author wrote this, his son whom he appointed heir of all things, the, the son and heir of God, the father, who Jesus is through whom he has also made the world. Jesus was involved in creation, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus shows us who 
God is by being God in the flesh, Emmanuel, like we talk about at Christmas time, the word becoming flesh and upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus literally sustains everything by his own power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus finished it. There is no other sacrifice needed for the forgiveness of our sins, for, for our redemption, for restoration to happen. This is some of the most beautiful language in the New Testament, and we're going to see these truths detailed as we dig into Hebrews. And, and it reminds me deeply of one of my favorite verses from Paul uh, in the book of Colossians in the first chapter. Um, Paul writes this, he says, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sons. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is Jesus. This is who we worship. This is who we follow. This is our Savior and King. And, and the point being, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is the one who reconciles us to God. And the final thing I, I want to point out as we look at this today is actually the opening thought from the author God has spoken. It's a simple statement, but so important. The author mentions that for a long time, God spoke through many different prophets whose words we read in the beginning books of our Bibles, but now he's spoken through his son. And as we look at the supremacy of Jesus, um, it could be easy to feel like Jesus is so majestic and lofty and exalted and the fact is that he is he is those things but something very important to know he's not distant jesus is not distant god is not distant we, we serve a god that comes near to us jesus the son and heir of God who took part in creation and sustains everything by his own power, who, who sits in majesty in heaven, came near to us. God came near. God puts on flesh and becomes like us so that he could restore us. God sent his son into the world so that none would perish but all could experience eternal life. I want to encourage and challenge you today to follow hard after Jesus. Um, the, the Jesus that is literally over everything. 
but also who came near to us, who also puts his spirit in us and is with us. Uh, he's worthy on so many levels of our worship, our service, our very lives. And my prayer is that we would be a community that strives hard to follow after him.